Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. Cute. That's cute. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I said this before we went live, but this is a very full circle moment for Sarah and I because as little baby journalists just trying to get our foot into the world. We looked up to this woman. She has been an incredible advocate in so many ways, so transparent, really leading the way for for women in, in so many aspects from equal pay to now kind of pulling back the curtain on cosmetic procedures. Listen, one of the reasons why we wanted to make this podcast four years ago, oh my God, it's going to be four years in a couple of weeks. Crazy. But we wanted to pull back the curtain and let people know, like, if someone looks incredible, they probably are getting a little bit more help than you think. And I feel like one Kat Sadler can speak to that now on even a more personal level. So Kat, thank you so much for coming on Los Angeles. We are so excited to talk to you. Oh, the feeling is so mutual. Thank you so much for having me and for those kind words. Gosh, little baby journalists. I You just took me <laughs> back about like 30 years. I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like to be building. I know what that feels like to be creating your content and hoping it reaches people and all of that. So bravo on four years. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. Thank, thank you. you. But to what to Kirby's point, like I remember like watching you and studying and being ah, like, oh, yes, that's how you ask a question and make it feel seamless and fun and organic. Like the thing that really bugs me is when people are watching like red carpets and they're criticizing the hosts mm. about like the questions that they ask. And I'm like, you don't know how hard it is to do what they're doing. No. And you always made it look so easy. It, it 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 does require some skill, doesn't it? I know everyone today, like you can give anyone a mic today, which I actually love that for people in that people have their own authority to do whatever they want. And look what look at people are creating full businesses out of their homes, wherever you are in the world at any zip code. So it's it's really cool and empowering that anyone can do this now. But that doesn't mean that everyone's good at it either, does it? You know, it does take practice and years of perfecting the art of the interview. There, There is an art to it. I guess I'm, I'm probably rustier than you guys right now. So I hope I do okay on the other end here. Wow. What, and one way we have a leg up on Kat. That's like our one thing that we've been interviewing more often than Kat at this point. But you certainly surpass us in like sheer amount and volume of interviews. I mean, I agree with Sarah. When people watch red carpets and they're criticizing what's being asked or whatever it is, I'm like, could you remember every single minute detail about every person that's about to come up to you? And you don't even really know at mm. that point. Like, okay, it's going to no. be, you know, a Viola Davis. And then next it's going to be Javier Bardem. You have to be ready and on it. 
and like you got to cut off at the right time so that you like can like you know introduce this person like really easily you know what I mean it's like you don't want to kick someone off it's just it's such an art like Kirby said I do know what you mean especially when it's live right like that's the other piece like because I of course have been criticized a million times but I'm like you don't understand that was like the 45th interview I did and to your point 10 of those names, maybe I even knew, but sometimes you're any interviewing some DP of some Oscar nominated film. And how are you supposed to know who that is? And how can you see every possible film and every piece of material and have any kind of life? So you are kind of winging it a lot of the time, but yeah, can you wing it well, I guess is the question. <laughs> 100%. Yes. Okay. So Kat, we spoke about you on our last episode and we were just praising you about, you know, how transparent you are or you were about getting a facelift so let's just talk about it you look incredible how are you feeling mm, thank you thank you I almost went and listened to that episode but I purposely didn't because I was like oh I don't really want to know what they were saying so um I'll have to go back and listen to that after this but I'm feeling great you guys I you know, I'm today as I'm speaking with you just at about five weeks since my surgery. Okay. The only like little remnant, which I should probably just say, even as I'm speaking to you, I, I still have a lot of tightness in my jaws. And so my speech, I don't even know if you can hear it. There's just a little bit of like, it's not my normal speaking voice. So it's a little uncomfortable for me to like, I noticed you know, my first like full day out with friends and I was working and I was momming. And like, this was like a week ago when I actually like left my house. I was like, oh my gosh, my jaws, like my cheeks, everything is like still kind of numbing, numbed and tingly and whatnot. But listen, I feel great. I love the results. Every day is like Christmas morning. I go and look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, how we looking today and everything's starting to settle and look more and more natural. I am literally over the moon with the results and I am so glad that I did this. I mean, you look like yourself. That's the yeah. thing. I think a lot of people may think of facelifts as the, you know, your grandma's facelift or something where it was 20, 30 years ago. And and there have been so many advancements in facelifts. Like they're not just pulling the face back anymore. They're pulling it up and it's yes. affecting a lot more, you know, areas at this point. But I I was reading the lovely glamour story with um, our friend Jessica Radloff, who I've known for years. And you mentioned that you have in the past, you know, working on television, things of that nature, you've dabbled in injectables like filler, neuromodulators, you've done treatments like Morpheus 8 and microneedling. But at what point did you start to think, okay, this is not having the same pizzazz that it used to. It's not really doing the trick anymore. Yeah. The pizzazz. That's a good way to put it. I, you know, <laughs> where's the pizzazz in my face? Um, <laughs> I mean, to be really honest, this came from kind of a collective number of feelings that I was having about aging. So I am, you know, very much with my work now, it has shifted from strictly entertainment news and celebrity to really just being an advocate for women in all areas of life. So my podcast is very centered around exploring part of it, exploring what it's like to be a midlife woman. And so I also have a video series that was called Midlife and Me. It was a limited series and where I was just kind of deep diving into all of the parts of this chapter in our lives. I'm a 48-year-old woman and I can't be alone in feeling a little crazy in my body, a little hormonal, my sleep is disrupted, you know, why am I bloated all the time? Why is my period 
you know, showing up twice a year now. Like these are real things happening to real women. And so the more I talked about it with my audience, the more I realized how interested they were in the information and craving this type of education and seeing what's available to us. Now, you can't explore all of that without exploring the vanity piece and the and the physical piece, right? Like there's the spiritual piece, there's the existential piece, there's all the parts of us as women. But the physical piece started to weigh on me more than ever before. So you know, I was still doing my occasional Botox, still doing a little bit of filler from time to time. But, you know, it really was like this looking in the mirror and noticing my jowliness and like this, almost like there was this pooling at my jaw and there was like zero volume in my face, you know, and there are only so many microneedling treatments you can do to get that collagen going, you know what I mean? So as I was exploring midlife for work, I was like, what if I just inquire? Like truly just like, let me get a consultation. Let me see what more there is. And it sounds a little naive as someone who is interested in this space like you guys are, but I really didn't think that my doctor was going to say, well, let's get you a facelift, a neck lift, and a eye job. You know, I, I guess I was kind of somewhat asleep when I, um, considered this, but as soon as he told me like, listen, if you do want that pizzazz and you are looking to, you know, make those enhancements, this is what's available to you. Um, it wasn't an, an immediate yes for me, but after some consideration, I just got super enthusiastic about the prospect of really making a permanent change on my face. And that's how it started. How did you decide you wanted to share that story on Glamour? Like, how did you and Jess connect? Well, I knew that I was capturing all of this, again, for that same video series audience that I have. And from time to time, I would speak about it on my podcast. But then I thought, if I'm going to capture the pre-op, capture the actual surgery, and just do literally on my phone, guys, I was like, I just think it's so fascinating. I want to document the whole experience and again, just let people have a glimpse into what it is really like. And by the way, the good, the bad, and otherwise. Like, I don't know if you've seen the video, but I mean, it's almost like so graphic and disturbing. Like, women should know, like, you don't look like I do today, you know, a month later. Like, there is a really, there are risks involved, and it can be scary, and you're on drugs, and you're literally taking your face off and putting it back on. So I just being a curious student of life and a journalist, that, that part of me wanted to document everything. And then once I, it was actually after, right after I did, that's when I thought, you know what, I want more and more people to come to the table to see this and they're not going to, unless I talk about it. So that's when Glamour and I got together. Kirby has witnessed a facelift in, in the, the process of a facelift. Yeah, I went down to San Diego in January with Dr. Amir Karam. He is an incredible, um, you know, facial plastic surgeon, and he does something called the vertical restore. So he like does the incisions up here and then pulls up, and then it it does the neck and the face. And so I wasn't in the OR, but they filmed it for me because I couldn't get down there in time. And I was watching it, and it was crazy. I was actually curious: were you completely under? Yes, I was completely out. Um, and I didn't wow. have the vertical restore. Like my incisions are kind of like right back here. 
the, the options to me were, you know, if I didn't want to see any of the the scars, um, that I could kind of hide the, the, the scarring in my hairline, which is what I opted to do. But I will tell you, Dr. Kim, my doctor, Dr. Steve Kim, just yesterday sent me an email and he was like, I thought you'd want to maybe see these, these photos, these, he called it like intra-op, which I didn't really, you know, he was like, doctor speak on the email without any real warning. And I open up the pictures and they're pictures, you guys, of my face completely like sliced open and what looks like brains. I was like, are those my brain? It is. It was so hard to see. I was like, thanks for the warning. I will literally send them to you guys. Not that your audience is going to want to see it, but it blew my mind. And I was like, it's probably a good thing I didn't see these prior or I don't know. I yeah. may have like hesitated. I'm not joking. <laughs> right. Right. I know. It's like the fact though, I think that what I want people to understand is like, this is probably the most, one of the most invasive surgeries you can get. This was not something you took lightly and just decided, oh, it's, it's not like you check off, okay, Botox, filler, mouth facelift. It is a very, very serious thing to contemplate. Oh, most definitely. And that's why it took me, you know, a good couple weeks to really, A, yes, consider the gravity of the operation medically and what that would mean to my body, um, you know, and there are risks involved. But it is it is kind of um, a real stopping point in your life because it's not like, oh, your face is red, a week of downtime, just wear a hat and you can leave the house. Like you are in bed, you are immobile. And, you know, all of the research out there, I think maybe you guys would agree and and know, but you know, it says generally about two weeks after a facelift, you should be fine to enter society and go back to normal life or go back to work or whatever. But for me, it really took an entire month. So those are all considerations for people, right? When they're considering this, not to mention the financial piece too. Like there are so many layers to it. That's why I say it's life altering. And maybe people think that's dramatic, but it really, really is. Um, so, you know, you, you are such an open book. You have your podcast, you have your video series, you talk about everything from, you know, perimenopause to obviously getting the space lift. Kirby and I are both 36. We're like, just right on your heels. Like, what's something that you want our listeners to know about this stage of your life that you wish that you had access to maybe when you were our age? Well, I I do love the community. I mean, I would say even 10 years ago, um, we weren't sharing as much information. Like, even Instagram was a different beast back then. We were just kind of – everyone was just posting their lives. It wasn't as much about – sharing information or steering people in a certain direction, or I just feel like there wasn't as much meaning in social content. And while there are parts of the social space today that are are certainly unhealthy or toxic or whatever, there really are places to go where we as women can come together. And I don't think I was doing that at your age. So, you know, take advantage of podcasts like yours that are really like giving good, sharp, important information to arm yourself before you make decisions in life. I wish I would have known or had even the, um, the ability to do that then. Um, but it also just goes with you know, we're all a lot more alike than we are different. And, you know, even with perimenopause and, you know, 
saying the word period and, you know, all this stuff. I feel like maybe some people are a little more buttoned up still, and that's just not their style or tone of sharing. And that's certainly well within their rights. But I, I wish more people 10 years ago were having these conversations. So I just feel very at peace with the truth. (laughs) And I always, you know, I've said this before, but I just don't think you can go wrong. And maybe my truth isn't your truth and that's fine too. But I think as long as we're all organically, authentically sharing of ourselves and our lives that we're actually doing a favor for our other friends, women, sisters, mothers, daughters, whatever, you know? Totally. And I think too, one thing that you noted as, you know, you're 48 and you decided to do this. And that's why you created your series where you were talking about, you know, middle age and things of that nature. And I wrote a story for Allure a couple of months ago about why like hair care and skincare has really embraced this like 40 to 50 aged consumer, but makeup has not there. When you walk into Sephora, it's literally you are 21 or you're 88. That's what it looks like when it's depicted. It's not like you see a woman that has lines and creases or or anything. Like, I don't look at someone and go, oh, that girl looks like she's maybe my age. Even at 36, which I thought was bonkers. Like, I feel like I'm almost aging out of Sephora. But women in their late 40s, early 50s are purchasing the most when it comes to beauty. And it's like, so then why are they this community of women that are being completely overlooked? It is the most bonkers thing. So... If anything, when I published that story, so many women were like, oh my God, thank you for writing this because I've been feeling this. I just entered my 40s. I'm entering my 50s. There needs to be more cosmetic companies that focus on us. Like we're ready to spend. We just want to feel seen and heard. And so I love that like you're talking about these things and letting everybody know there is a community and we're all kind of getting to the same place. That's such a good point though. I hadn't really thought about that because yes, the skincare companies are really, I mean, targeting us in a major way. And that's great. I mean, in this word, anti-aging has been around forever and there'll always be like certain products that are helping women kind of retain whatever this youthfulness is to our faces and skin and bodies. But you're right. The makeup brands or companies haven't really gotten on board and I never really thought about that, but that's absolutely true. Like every model is young and super like, um, vibrant and radiant and youthful, or she's like has white hair and it's like, this is for your mature mother. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's such a good point. That's well, business idea, business idea. (laughs) I know that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But okay. So I love this quote from your glamour story. You said, my resting face was a face of sadness or exhaustion. It really didn't matter that I do hot yoga or that I eat really well or take my supplements. I do so much to live a healthy life, but the expression of that was not coming across on my face. And I think that's important because like Sarah and I, I think know this better than anyone else. We are very critical of the beauty industry. We are constantly trying to debunk marketing claims. We're also trying to keep people real. Like, babe, that cellulite cream is not getting rid of your cellulite. It might make your skin look a tiny bit firmer superficially for three hours, but that's not going to get – you put that on every day. It's not going to get rid of your cellulite. Everybody has cellulite. Let's just embrace it. So I love that you are saying, I I was doing all of these things. I was like the beacon of health. It's like when a – when you interview a celebrity and you're like, you look incredible. What are you? I've been drinking way more water and getting all my rest. And then I started doing, you know, Pilates, like all of these things. You're like, but what else ah. is going on here? This can't just be I it. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, to that quote, I mean, that that's definitely coming to terms and saying that out loud. And I think, again, that's – I the biggest response I've gotten from women about all of this I think speaks to what you were just saying about, oh, my gosh, like I didn't have the words to say it, but that's exactly how I was feeling. Like I – I put so much energy into, you know, my smoothies or even my, you know, journal or, you know, my long walks or getting a little vitamin D. Like there are so many things we can do that help our wellness, but also our beauty that is supposed to reflect this super healthy life. But there is only so much that can do. And and Real. yes, yes. Um, you know, for these celebrities who are not admitting it, I mean, I guess it's everyone's personal choice, you know, what they share, when they share it. I wish they wouldn't lie about it. I wish um, maybe they'd say, I'm not comfortable, you know, d- dissecting everything I do with my doctors, but boy, do I have a good one. Or, you know, there's a way to say that they get some cosmetic procedures or help and assistance and support without being like me <laughs> and saying I got a face like a, a, a neck lift and a blepharoplasty, you know? Right. I think too, though, I, I, I'm curious from your perspective, one thing that we talk about is that we kind of understand why certain celebrities are most celebrities won't dive into this. And we actually had Courtney Cox on um, a couple of months ago. And, you know, we asked her a very simple question, which was like, what is your biggest beauty regret? And she said, oh, hands down, injectables. And she talked about filler. But this was not the first time she talked about it. Like, we were kind of like, okay, yeah, we knew that. Like, you've, you've talked about it before. No big deal. And then we posted, you know, a clip of it on social and People Magazine picked it up. And then it blew up. And it was like, nonstop headlines for three days straight about Courtney Cox talking about how she had to get her injectables dissolved and all of these things. And it made us realize, I mean, not that we didn't already know, but like when any celebrity is mentioning something about their looks, it's going to be the first thing that everybody wants to talk about because it's going to get clicks, it's going to get views, it's going to get all of these things. And that's how the media works now. Were you nervous deciding to put this all out there, knowing that maybe in the future, this will be something that's consistently brought up about you. And how do you handle that? Right. That's such a great question. (laughs) I mean, you'd think I would know by now after being (laughs) in this business for like three decades. Um, But it's interesting. I guess maybe I don't give my myself or my story enough credit, but it's, it's even like when I left E. When I told that story and wrote that on my blog, I thought, oh, you know, I'm doing this for the viewers. I want to share my truth. I'm, you know, I want people to know I wasn't able to say on TV, you know, why I was leaving. So this is my truth. This is my story. Let me just post this. And then it like blew up and it was like wildfire. And then it became this big conversation. I honestly felt that this was going to be similar. I thought Glamour is a respectable publication, a wonderful media outlet. Jessica is a trusted journalist. And I thought she's going to represent me well. I know that I can have a conversation with her and feel good about it. But I didn't expect it to, like, get picked up by everybody. Um, it's interesting, though, because some of my younger friends, mostly in, this podca- in the podcast space, are like, we don't get why it's such a big deal that, like, people are talking about your facelift. And I'm like, I get it. It's like, it's almost like the mainstream media still, it, it's like skews older. So yes. a lot of the women that read these publications, it is a big deal. Or maybe they are thinking about it, but they've never touched their face, Uh right? Like, so in middle America, in the heartland where I'm from, 
it still sounds like a really ginormous big deal and there's a stigma attached to it and why in the world would she be putting her business out there but on the other hand there's this younger generation that's like we've grown up with this we see this everywhere this is like a random tuesday for our people you know what i mean like, right so it's it, it kind of depends on i think generally generationally where you are and totally. what type of media you're consuming because it can slant very very differently but Yes. I mean, it, this did get a lot of attention. And to answer your question, I don't know. I, I've, I've, I've let go of how maybe I am perceived or what people think of me or, you know, the ego piece of me, like, what does my brand say? And what <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not that calculated. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. because I am just transparent, it's kind of like, take me as I am. If it comes up in future interviews, I'll talk about it. I'm talking about it now. I'll talk about it later. Do I want to be singularly defined by this? No, I do not. And I even said that to someone on social media this morning. I was getting, I had a really nasty uh, comment saying something like, your bank account is getting full because of your uh, false beauty standards that you're pushing in the world, you know, fixing your gray hair and getting a facelift. And, you know, of course I'm thinking, well, I've done a hundred episodes with authors and, and, and experts and like meaningful, like I'm doing so much other work, but yes, it would be easy for someone to just pick out these little bitty things and then define me solely because of that. And that's more about them than me. And I just really don't care. You're damned if you're doing damned if you don't, right, Sarah? Like totally. that's- well, that's I, let's let's focus on the positive because I would love to hear about like I'm sure you've just gotten so much, so many comments, so many DMs from women who are like, thank you, like thank you so much. Like, what has that feedback been like from your community? Oh my gosh, I mean, I will say again, talk about unexpected. I I think I expected more like judgment, and not I mean, other than like I'm sharing a couple comments with you, the overwhelming response has been exactly that. Very positive, very supportive. Thank you for finding the words that I couldn't find. I've had women reach out to me saying, oh my gosh, I have uh, I have a facelift scheduled in six months. This just gives me so much comfort. Thank you for like spelling out every detail. Now I feel like I'm, I'm better prepared for my procedure. I've had women who have had facelifts say, thank you for talking about this. I've been keeping this a secret, but now I don't <laughs> want to. I mean, like it's been all over the place. Um, and I think just, again, this idea of aging, you know, the, the exchanges have been just a lot about what it means to age and that, you know, it's not cosmetic procedures don't equate by definition to fixing oneself as a whole, right? Like, you know, I always, you know, I've said this as well, but like, it really is the inner work and the outer work and, and you can do them both and not, neither one of those has to do to define us. Um, and so a lot of conversations like that, really, it's been so nice. It's been so, so sweet. Let's talk about your doctor, Dr. Stephen Kim. How did you find him? Why did you decide to work with him? Like when you were figuring out what you wanted, like how long did that process take? Tell us everything. 
Dr. Kim was the first person to ever give me an injectable, ever, at 35. Um, And I found him because my very dear friend, Catalina Sue, who is a professional makeup artist and happens to be one of my very good friends, she knew of him and she said, he is the best. He does the most natural work. It is very conservative. You will look like yourself. And so back then, yes, I was like on TV every day. I had two young kids and it was just like one of those things where I was like, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. And by the way, I'd been in the sun for years and I I was really just noticing a lot of sun damage on my face and probably premature wrinkles um, on my forehead. And so I was ready to do Botox and he was the first to ever administer. I've seen a handful of providers since, but I would always kind of come back to Dr. Kim over the years, like every now and again. Um, and so I knew of him. I had friends who had seen him and we had such a long standing rapport that I really felt like I could trust him because he does have a reputation for this like incredibly beautiful aesthetic, like this precision skill and So I felt safe there. I mean, I think that's really important um, for women if they choose to do something of this magnitude. Like, I get it. You don't necessarily just want to meet somebody on a Tuesday and let them take your face off on a Friday, right? Like, you want to kind of maybe build some kind of relationship. And so I, guys, I'm not kidding. I felt so ready the morning of this surgery that the nurse who put in my IV was like, are you okay? You're really relaxed. She was like, you are the most relaxed person we've ever had before a facelift. I was like, really? (laughs) I was just like, I trust. I mean, again, maybe that's my chill gene that I inherited from my father, but I'm just like, okay, I'm already this far. I'm just relaxed. Let's do this. I, I feel good. But I know a lot of that had to do with trusting the hands that I was in. When, so obviously he, he's seen your face for like, you know, over 10 years, he knew what you looked like when you first came in. Did you say like, I want to look like myself 10 years ago? Like, how did you describe what you wanted to look like? I really, I, I didn't mention a past version of myself. I don't think I mentioned a number or anything. I just remember specifically looking in the mirror with him, like pointing to what was bugging me, you know? this and this and what's causing this. And really like, it's like getting a, a science lesson, you know, he's explaining my, where my muscles are and what's happening. Like he was just so thorough and, you know, my neck was, you know, I think you could definitely see age in, in one's neck. You know, if you're doing injectables in your face and you're neglecting your neck, your neck's your neck's still moving down that line, right? And without any assistance. And so, you know, I, I noticed from the side, my profile, like, oh, the saggy chin or my neck. And wow, you you know, that's, that's fucking me, you know? So I would point that out to him. And then again, I, I make it sound like he was like immediately pushing a facelift on me, which wasn't the case because I knew all the other things. We'd already been down that road, to your point, Morpheus, you know, filler, whatever. So... The other point is I have heard enough from other people in the business through my own show and doing interviews. I had been told, you know, late forties is the perfect time for a facelift. Like I'd heard that even in my early forties, like 
you don't need to wait till your 50s like maybe your mom did. You don't need to wait till you're 60 because that's how it used to be done. In fact, your body is healthier and able to recover better, to heal better, to work for you. And maybe aesthetically, the most important is that it's not going to be as jarring as a result, right? The before and after isn't going to look like it's not going to be freaky, right, for anybody and and look so jarringly different than you used to look. So I've always been so interested in natural and conservative, and, and Dr. Kim has respected that. He's never let me down, even with Botox. So um, that was really, really important to me. But one other fun fact, which I also just learned um, because we just we just did a TV segment with Dr. Kim because now everybody wants to talk to him. It's really, really sweet. I'm so happy for him because he's such a good man. He's like not the Beverly Hills doctor who's like doing the circuit at all. Like he's just a hardworking, wonderful surgeon. And, um, and he's like, I didn't tell you this, Kat, but the night before the surgery, I Googled you and I did go back and study your face and what you looked like at, say, 35. I was like, oh, you did your homework. That's so cute and so sweet and so appreciative. So he wanted to see the, the integrity of his work as he wanted to remember like wow. where my face was, where it is now, how we achieve something that still looks like me. So I thought that was really amazing. He sounds so wonderful. He does. He's wonderful. He is. He, I, I like now I'm like going to go find him. Uh, Dr. Sam <laughs> would be so pissed at you. <laughs> oh, Dr. Samolitis would be like, what are you doing? No, just kidding. Um, so this kind of is the perfect segue. And this is not really a question. I just love that you talked about this. So you mentioned sh- just a few minutes ago, your mom had a facelift at 54. So this was something that you were kind of like aware of. This is like something that, you know, somebody close to you has had done. Um, and I was talking to a few plastic surgeons. We I interview a lot of them. So does Sarah. And I was like, what's the standard age for a facelift now? Because we this is what we talked about, actually, on the episode where we talked about your facelift. The headline included your age, which I thought was really interesting. And because Jessica is a good journalist and she understands digital media, she knew that the people that read Glamour would catch on to the age, 48. Because I feel like the glamour reader is going to think, wow, that's extremely young. Because when I think of a facelift, I think of a 60, 70-year-old woman. It's like the last hurrah. You're going in to get a facelift. That's it. But as I've been interviewing these plastic surgeons over the years, because during the pandemic, I became obsessed with following facelift surgeons because I loved the before and afters. I'm like, these are effing incredible. I was like, what's the standard age? And I, we actually have a social post we haven't put up yet, Sarah, but I got a bunch of them to comment, not on Kat specifically, but what age? And they said, most of my clientele, median age, or even most of them altogether, late 40s, early 50s, is when they're at the very least coming in for a consult because they're noticing that, like you said, other modalities are not doing the job anymore. They're noticing jowls. They're noticing things that make them look sad when they're not. And really the only way to remedy those things is a facelift. Um, So I just found that really fascinating that like that's what was focused on for the glamour story. But really in, in this point in time, 
It's like, this is not out of the ordinary. I guess that's the point we're trying to make. It's this is not- Did that surprise you? I'm curious. Like when you got that information back, is that what you expected? Or did you think it would be older? I think I wasn't that surprised, honestly. And I think it goes back to what you were saying, maybe about like your younger friends in the podcast space kind of being like, oh, you got a facelift. Like, why is that such a big deal? Because we have had like radical transparency with like just- at the minimum, Botox and things of that nature. It's like, that's not like literally like you get on, on TikTok during the pandemic and people are flying to like Romania to get their teeth whittled down to get like a full set of veneers or dentures basically. You know what I mean? So it's like, we are seeing literally every single step of someone changing how they look. So I was like, oh, I'm not surprised because also like you have to think about it too. We're also uh, the generation, like really the first generation that had access to a tiny computer at all times. So we're like looking at our phones, we're looking down, we're like not getting enough sleep because we're scrolling all the time. We're also looking at ourselves in front-facing mirrors where like there are so many things, front-facing cameras, like there's so many elements to this that then play into the psychology of it all too where it's like if you're constantly looking at yourself in a selfie and you're going, what the hell? And then you see yourself in another photo and you're like, oh my God, my side profile, I hate that. There's way more photos, way more videos. So it makes sense to me. Like, like it doesn't feel... It's like we're all on TV now, yes. right? Yes. I mean, we're all on TV. Yeah. I mean, they used to be like yes. a select few. Now we're all on TV all the time. Yes. Yes. And so that's why is. I think it's like when yeah. I... So that's what we talked about. I was like, in the Glamour you know, story, I was like, it's so interesting that they focused on the age. Because to me, I was like, oh, I feel like that's like a time I would be going in to start investigating. Totally. Did you did you feel that way, Sarah? I feel like after talking to you, it made more, like I was like, yeah, you're actually right. Like I think I just sometimes feed into like you know it's easy to feed into like what everyone else is really interested in and clicking. But then when you actually like read your story and then you look at all the facts and we talked it through, we're like, yeah, that's the age you should probably be doing it because that's when you notice all of the changes. And I would does Dr. Kim agree that like that's also a good age to do it because to your point cat like it's less of a dramatic change you know when versus when you're doing it when you're 60 or 70 and people are like wow you yep. you got yep. a facelift yeah it, and I'm, is that the common age for his patients i don't know if it's the common age but it is his um directive would be that's a great time like if you're considering yeah. it yeah um at all maybe don't put it off till your mid fifties. I mean, he's, he, he is definitely was an advocate for me when I did go in and he's like, you're kind of the perfect age cat for all the reasons we're discussing. So he definitely stands by that. I did ask him, I think it was just like, I was getting the staples removed from my head a week later or something. And I was like, so what's the youngest facelift you've ever done? And what's the oldest facelift you've ever done? Because my mother who did have her facelift at 54, who is now 73, who looks phenomenal in my opinion, but you know, she, she mentioned when I was going to do this, she's like, Oh, I'd love to do another one. And I was thinking she doesn't need to do that. And she's 73 and she looks, you know, I'm thinking what, you know, I I'm deciding what's good for her. Right. Um, but I asked kind of thinking of my mom and he said, I think he said the youngest he had ever done was 35 and the oldest was 83. And he said that as long as the older patients are very healthy and have like every medical clearance there is possible and are able, 
then that was his oldest. He said it was a man, actually. He said it was a man, which I thought was interesting because he, because this same man came back. He's like, I had to show my ID at the dry cleaner because nobody believed it was me. Because <laughs> he looks so different. I was like, that is so funny. <laughs> okay, good for that yeah, man. Yeah, good for right. that man. But, and I think the girl that he did at 35 had some type of medical droopiness or something. There was a reason beyond just vanity that she wanted to have her facelift. So I don't know what, what his median age is, but I know he's a fan of doing it, doing it now. And at this, I, there is something about being in your forties where, and I have had this conversation with a lot of women in their forties. And I don't know what it is physically, but 40 to 45, like, I don't know. There's just, I feel like you're kind of looking like you always did. And then something happens at 45, 46, where you turn this this corner towards 50. And it's almost like accelerated rapid aging. I don't know if that's loss of volume. I don't know. I can't, I'm not the doctor. I don't know why that is, but I have had a lot of people say, and even men say, yeah, I really noticed after 45, that's when I really started to notice a difference. Okay. Can we talk quickly about like getting cleared for this, what you were just speaking about? Like, I, I get obviously why like that age is a good age too because you can like bounce back. You said it was a really really hard recovery. Like, can you even imagine doing it when you were if like at like sixty or seventy? Like, it'd probably be an even longer recovery. Um, what advice do you have for people in terms of like what they should know? Uh, you know, health wise, like what do they like? What state should you be in if you're considering? this major surgery? Two things. One, I think the standard protocol, what you will need to expect without a doubt are all of the kind of checklists of the clearance you must get to even show up on surgery day. And so that is a pregnancy test. That is an EKG. Do you like check the, the health of your heart? That is a chest X-ray. Um, so, and there's a, just a ton of blood work. I mean, those are the four key things. So you really get a pretty thorough check uh, with a doctor, an in-person physician appointment to make sure that you are good to go, no red flags, really your body's going to work for you while you are under a very heavy anesthesia. So that's the first part. That's what anybody, I believe, has to go through that checklist to just get cleared for this type of surgery. For me personally, now having gone through it, I would encourage anybody who's doing this to be rested, to not be run down, to not have like your immunity on the floor and be depleted. Like you do not want to go into this like that. I did. And that's my, my only regret is because my son had just graduated high school. I had family flying in from out of town. I had just flown back from Houston doing a work event where I was like on stage for two days doing this like high pressure job, like all within the days leading up to my surgery, which we as women, that's how we plan our lives, right? Like pack everything in. So then, you know, you can check out for two weeks. And so I was burning the candle at both ends and I, I even woke up the weekend before the surgery with a little bit of like, I was losing my voice. So, you know, when you're run down and that's just how your body responds. And so 
I didn't really think of it and I didn't mention it and I wasn't about to reschedule the surgery. So I was just like, I'm tired. I'll go to bed for two weeks. It'll be great because when do I ever get a time out like this in life? But I now believe that that hindered my recovery a little bit because I think I may have just been sick on top of getting a facelift. So I would not recommend that guys, like really do your juices, do your best diet, do all the things, get your sleep before you do this. Um, because I do think it matters. I came out of the surgery with a really sore throat and I had a breathing tube during the surgery. So Dr. Kim was like, that should last a day or so it'll go away. But mine lasted like five days because I think I was just sick. I really do. I was like sucking on throat lozenges. So just be really healthy. Be kind to yourself before you do this because I, I think I was super depleted. It's like having a baby. You need to take the two weeks before you pop the baby out. Yeah. Like you start your mat yeah. leave early. Unlike me, yes. which never happens. The baby just comes. Uh-huh. <laughs> What what was harder, cat childbirth or your facelift, recovery wise? Honestly, this may have been harder. Is that terrible to say? No, I, I will say that because here's the thing too. I had really, really lovely childbirth with my two boys. My labors were great. My pregnancy is another story. So I had terrible pregnancies. But I think the universe was like, yeah, you've been through nine weeks of hell. We're going to give you a, a decent, you know, delivery here. So child labor for me wasn't that child labor. Do you call it child labor? Um, <laughs> labor, <laughs> labor for me was pretty easy. I also had an epidural. So that was, um, I have really lovely fond memories of childbirth, believe it or not. Um, and this, this was uncomfortable. This was really uncomfortable. Here, here's the thing though, you know, it's temporary. I mean, I, I, so I still believe it's worth it. You know, you do get your pain meds for the first five days and you are on an antibiotic. Um, but I was uncomfortable. I was really uncomfortable. And, um, I, I was having some jaw issues, which is, I think still why I am just taking a minute to heal. My nerves and my cheeks are just still repairing. They're still healing. It's all been explained to me, but yeah, it didn't feel nice. I was on soups. I was on smoothies. I couldn't chew. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> you posted a photo afterwards of like your head wrapped and your eyes are swollen. Like you definitely, you look like one of those <laughs> puppets from the dark crystal. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, I'm going to send no. you a picture. And they have like these uh, little face, like their little faces are like so uh, tiny, but like a little bit swollen. It makes sense that you would want to be in your best health because of all the inflammation that comes from three major surgeries like this. So I, I love that advice. Like take very good care of yourself. Make sure you're in a really good place before you do something like this. Completely. And I think everyone's different. Speaking of those first five days, my bestie, Catalina Sue, who she's the opposite. She's like, I love surgery. I love this room. She's had a lot of work done and she'll tell you about it. And she's just one of those people. And she's just, that's why I loved having her beside me during this. But she's like, don't you want to look in the mirror? Don't you want to look in the mirror? And she kept, you know, and I was like, no, I'm not there yet. Like I just, I am just very different in that sense. Like I did look in the mirror, of course, the next day, but like I didn't, those first five days, I just was interested in being comfortable. Like that was all I cared about. I wasn't even into like, let me check my face. I, I wasn't there really at all until I kind of came out of 
that first stretch of recovery. Were you, were you scared to look at yourself? Mm. Or excited? Or both? <laughs> Maybe both. Yeah. Maybe scared is a strong word. Yeah. I was I was nervous, but I wasn't scared. I was, you know, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah, you're like, there's no way Dr. Kim messed this up. Botched me. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wasn't, I, did, I knew I wasn't botched. And then in fact, I mean, he will tell you, and again, he credits this to being 48. He was like, you've taken such good care of your skin prior to this point. You've taken so much, you know, great care of your body. And like, I didn't, I, beyond the swelling, I didn't have like extreme bruising. I didn't have a single issue with my stitches healing. Like everything went according to plan. You obviously take good care of your skin. Like before all of this, like you had a skincare regimen and we've talked to plastic surgeons who say, you can get a facelift, but then if your skin texture is crap, like you're, you're not, it's not going to be, it's not going to be all encompassing. You're going to have a lot and a long road to go through. I'm curious, can you put anything on your face afterwards? Like how long did you have to wait to even like do a skincare regimen? And then if so, what were you instructed to use and what did you Mm. use to take care of Mm -hmm, your skin? mm -hmm. I love skincare. I will always just be, I love this space. I do try everything. Like I'm not even married to one single thing. Like I just love trying and experiencing products. I love the ritual of washing my face. I'm one of those, you know, some people are like, the quicker, the better it's done. Like I, I get off on like washing my face at night (laughs) and taking my time and putting on my oils. I just, for me, it's like an act of love. I, I just love it. Um, the advice or the instructions I got after the surgery, the first two weeks, it's, gentle, gentle cleanser and gentle, gentle moisturizer. That's it. Like you don't want the serums. You don't need the, you know, retinol. You don't need anything on your face. Let's just worry about healing. Um, and then after that, it was kind of like, cat, you can do whatever you want, you know? And so I did. And for me, I've read a little bit about this too. Um, that women tend to be dry after a facelift. I don't know what the science of that is, but I did notice my skin feeling the texture was pretty dry. Um, I think with aging in general, we're always concerned about dryness. I am an avid fan of oils. So for me, I don't break out. I am I am always lathering oils on my face. So I'm a big fan of True Botanicals, Pure Radiance Oil. I'm a huge fan of Le Prunier's new plum oil. So I was alternating between both of those and then just like a really heavy night cream. Um, And that, I didn't go overboard. I was leaving my eyes alone because I did get the blepharoplasty also. So I've been treating my eyes very, very gently. I didn't even wear makeup really, like a full face of makeup until last week. So I was just trying to be really gentle and delicate with everything. So like I haven't even done an exfoliator on my skin or anything because I'm just trying to be careful. But sunscreen. Oh, of course, sunscreen. Never forget the sunscreen. Yes. Oh, yes. Sunscreen. Very important. Always. Always. Okay. If you had to pick right now, what are the top four beauty products of all time that you like swear by, love, top face. They're your ride or dies. Oh, like, man. And in, in, in the span of your life, like these are the ones, the top four. It can be skincare, makeup, can be 
hair product. Well, I you guys even said on the email it could be a beauty procedure. Yes. I mean, can my facelift count? Because this for me is the Mac Daddy. <laughs> this is the Mac Daddy of them all. Like, yes. I am not kidding. I woke up today and I, I took a picture with no makeup on. And I was just like, I'm so pleased. Like, I'm just, I really am happy. And I'm, so I do want this for women if they want it. Because it's really, it is, I am such a energetic person and like spiritually, like I, I love to feel good. I really pay attention to like the frequency and the vibe I'm on in life. And I'm just like, this does match the expression of me now. And I was feeling like I looked sad and depressed and almost angry sometimes with my hooded lids and my mouth drooping. Like, oh, this like, we, we go together now. I love, love, love it. So I would say my facelift, okay? And neck lift, um, all of it um, is my now all-time favorite. Um, it's so hard to pick, you guys. I mean, I was like, what do I have in my vanity that I'm always going to that has been in there for years? Um, I even like grabbed it because I wanted to say the name right. But like, I feel like this is the best lip mask of all time. Like it's Laneige sleeping mask. They call it the lip sleeping mask, but I use this every single day. I don't wait till night. I use it in the morning after I brush my teeth. It's in my bag. I have several of them. You can see it's like completely gone. I mean, so I would say this is a good one. This is a really, really- wow. You really do love that. That's also one of my all times. Right? It's just so, so solid. I love that. I also, I think um, I have used lash serum for years. You know, I was on TV every day and I had fake lashes all the time and I lost like all my eyelashes because I was constantly putting that glue on my eyes and I just don't have time to sit for like lash extensions. I'm just like, I can't, I don't, I can't do that every two weeks. I have, I'm just, no. So I use the Grande Lash Lash Serum. It is my favorite. People ask me about my lashes all the time. And I use that as often as I almost brush my teeth, really. Like it's just like right next to my, like my morning to-dos. Like, so I brush my teeth and then I do my face, washing, cleansing, regimen. And then I always, always put on my lash serum. I love that one. It's a good one. Love. What a pro. You know, uh, the other one I was going to say, and even though like I'm out of it right now, but I, I started using it in college was the Kiehl's creme de la body lotion, you know, the yellow yeah. lotion. Like that's not that exciting, yeah. but like I could mention 50 makeup products, but like I, I would live without them and I have really dry skin. So I think the Kiehl's body lotion changed my life. I remember in college, I was like, $40 for <laughs> body lotion. This is insane. And my my girlfriend's mother would send it from Boca Raton to, to, our, to our dorm or whatever. And she was so generous. And I was like, I can't afford this, but I love it so much. And so uh, I treat myself to that when I can remember to go get it. It's really good. Those are such Love. good picks, like such a beauty girl. Such yeah. good picks. You guys, just on that subject, and I know we have to go, but I um, randomly through this plastic surgery journey, talk about full circle, I was a makeup artist at the makeup counters in college. It was one of my first college jobs before television. I worked at Nordstrom. I worked at the Chanel counter, but I also worked at the Trish McAvoy counter. Do you remember yes. Trish McAvoy? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. We love Trish McAvoy. So when I was 22, I was, that was the first line I ever worked for was Trish McAvoy. 
I got a DM last week from Trish McAvoy. And I was like, this is so crazy because she doesn't even know that I worked for her 25 years ago. Right. But she just reached out to say just like the kindest things about me being transparent and thank you for my honesty. And I, I just thought that is too funny. Like I have, I still have to actually get back to her because I'm like way deep in my DMs right now, but I'm like, how beautiful I need to like, I can't, I wanted to spend a moment to write a thoughtful response to let her know that I worked for her many, 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 many years ago. Isn't that so funny? I oh love that. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. And I, I love her products. Her stuff is still great. She's going to be so excited when she hears that story. That's so yeah. sweet. Oh, this was yeah. so wonderful. Thank you so much, Kat. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You guys, it's so fun to talk about this stuff. I love, love, love your show and you do such a great job. We love you. We love your show. Where can everybody find you, listen to you, and support you? Yes. Um, my podcast is weekly. Also, it's called It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. Just come there. Follow me on Instagram. I am Kat Sadler. Um, my podcast kind of does cover all the things, you know, health, wellness, beauty, personal growth. I do a lot of interviews with some really fascinating people, but then I also just do a lot of solo episodes about life and um and I'm only telling the truth. So come on over. All right, that's it. Thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts. I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 